0: hello and welcome to a brand new podcast series welcome to Throwdown, an action cinema podcast i'm jack and i'm joined by my co-host vaughn say hello vaughn hey jack how's it going i'm all good mate how are you doing on this fine saturday i'm doing great i am very excited to start a new podcast where we get to talk about more movies that we love more movies that we love, but very specific genre movies that we love. So I want to start this episode off by just sort of, like, talking the listener through why we decided to make a podcast just about these movies, what is it that draws us to these movies, you know, our general history with these movies, and why we've sort of, like, slowly converted into, like, really big action cinema dorks over the past couple of years, because yeah. I feel that's <laughs> definitely been, like, a subtle change in both of us.
1: Oh, certainly. Yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of like the two of us out of our, our big friend group are like kind of the the action cinema guys. And we've been, you more than me even, but definitely been going very hard on the action stuff in the past couple of years. And the more I watch, the more I, I love the genre and I'm just yeah. like excited to, to have a way to talk about it more.
0: Yeah, mine definitely started in the lockdown. Like, COVID lockdown, just started watching, like, some of the classic kung fu movies that were streaming on Amazon Prime and from there it's just sort of, like, slowly expanded into just watching anything and everything from different countries and... Trying to work out how different choreographers work and different fighting styles and different action stars and different movements. And it's such like this vast world that I definitely took for granted growing up and even like into my early sort of movie watching, my early cinephilia, if you will. I just sort of dis- discarded them as like, you know, fluffy nonsense. It's just like, it's not for me, whatever. Right. And then you start to sit down and look at action movies not as just mindless, turn your brain off. But you look at them as these coordinated ballets of movement and drama. Yeah, exactly. Operatic storytelling meets like Buster Keaton-esque shenanigans and physical performance, and I start to really, really appreciate this like area of cinema on like a whole different level. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's such like a rabbit hole to fall down because I've certainly always been a fan of of action films and have always kind of gravitated towards them but it's mostly been you know the the big blockbuster stuff you know i remember definitely a, a big one in kind of that those formative years of of getting into films you know fury road came out and it was just like kind of revolutionary of like oh man this is like just what what action can really be but then yeah it was kind of the the last couple years of like starting to once you kind of start to head down that path of like what is what is the breadth of everything that is available? And then you get to, to start kind of exploring each and every little corner and and finding all these different things. And, and like you said, like you start to connect the choreographers and the different
0: stars and yes. there's so okay. much to explore. That's, it's the beauty of living in the, the internet age, the prime yes. era of the internet age. Of You can look up whoever worked on whatever movie. It doesn't really matter how obscure or seemingly yeah. forgotten it is. You can probably track down the credits of the fight choreographer or the stunt coordinator or the leads of the stuntmen, and you can just slowly work through a backlog of movies and like TV shows yeah. and things you seemingly would never have even heard of years ago. So it's, it's, it's a great time to be an action movie fan, I'd say. I think that's like really the
1: the great thing about it is that it's such a base level like this is just basic like human achievement in a way like it's just mm-hmm. what is like the body capable of achieving in in a cinematic sense yeah. and like yeah, the, yeah. the choreography and pulling that stuff off so it's like there's no real barrier to entry other than just having that skill set so it's not like you need to have a big budget you can have five guys and 50 bucks and make a really amazing dynamic action movie that that holds up with, with the best of them.
0: Uh, yeah, and so over the course of this podcast, we're probably going to discuss a whole breadth of different uh, styles of action cinema from... From the big-budget mainstream American stuff to some lesser-heard-of, like, world cinema, but down, down into, like, the the trenches of low-budget filmmaking and no-budget filmmaking and stuntmen making movies, not necessarily with any actors attached, and just trying to deconstruct what makes some of those movies work for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and as well, I remember when we were talking about the idea here, and we, we did mention both the what what makes things good and what makes things bad? So I'm sure we'll kind of explore also yes, the yeah because- when when does action fail as well?
0: Yeah, w- yeah. Sometimes you know there are flaws to to movies that we we still enjoy. So we're probably going to bring in movies that we have an affinity for, but to to look under. Look under a microscope and see just how the DNA of these action movies sort of works. But today I thought we'd kick us off with a movie that sort of um, started our sort of relationship, our friendship really. It was one of the first movies you introduced me to. Um, This is, of course, The Night of comes for us a movie that i will never be able to get the name right because i always want to say it comes at night which is a different movie and a movie i have not even seen but edward schultz
1: i think is his name or something yes <laughs> don't like that movie as much not as exciting okay.
0: <laughs> okay not as not as actiony as this one but this is the indonesian um movie from 2018 directed by timo tajanto i think i'm saying that right but this you introduced me uh, to this a couple of years ago. You gave me sort of a list of recommended movies. Oh, that's right. But uh, that you thought I'd dig. And I, I sat down with The Night Comes From... A, I'd seen a, a little bit of Indonesian action cinema at the time... Um, but this absolutely blew me away. I think it is such a stunningly visceral and brutal action movie that borders on, like, a horror movie. Like, yeah, as very much so. The spooky season here. It felt like such an apt rewatch to watch these guys, like, cave into these animalistic urges and just beautifully, like, ravage each other in bloody and messy ways. It is such a a violent display of human capability, but never in a way that I find overly gratuitous or, like, mean-spirited like some of these movies yeah, definitely. come across as. I think there's a, there's a balance there between the, the storytelling and the, the vis- visually sort of, like, choreographed action.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's definitely, it's not mean-spirited, I think, because, like, everyone is, is to a degree, like, an even match and it's kind of, like, just, like, 100%, mm. like, pure, like, survival instinct of, like, just pure, like, tenacity and everyone is is trying to get out of there alive, even though I think there's a a strong degree of... I don't think anybody really believes that they're going to get out of there alive. It's kind of, like, fatalistic in the sense no. that, like, they know immediately from the outset of, like, nothing is going to end well here, but they fight anyway
0: mhm it's it's backed up against this this story of the triads and a man trying to escape his, his past from this this triad group and obviously being sort of hunted down and tried and snubbed out by that by that group but as you said the the sort of like hyper violence of it all doesn't feel overly overly done it feels still rooted and like grounded in this world um All the fights and all the action sequences in this feel and look very desperate and, like, improvisational. Obviously, they have been choreographed within, like, an inch of their life. All the performers (laughs) know exactly what they're doing and the movements. But the way that it unfolds on screen, it just looks scrappy and nasty. And it's not even, like, just the performers fighting. It's they are... They're acting fighting. Like, some of the faces and some of the sounds these dudes are making, they are acting, like, crazy, like, doing some wild movements, just really, like, tapping into this primal instinct that you don't really see... A lot outside of like action horror movies <laughs> it's just this wild side of performance that it's hard for an actor to really yeah. convey so it's some sometimes it's down to these sort of martial artists turn actors to bring this tenacity and ferocity to some of these roles yeah
1: i think it's it's very much a unique trait of of indonesian action specifically where like all of the the combat has this very like desperate feeling of of like exasperation and um It really is just like constantly, like everyone seems like they're on their last breath and like just on the edge of death and and they are just fighting through all of it. And that's, it definitely, (laughs) it makes it stand out. I think, I don't know how um, familiar you are with the rest of uh, Timo Chagianto's filmography, but like he definitely started more in the, the horror realm before moving on to this big action stuff. So I think it makes total sense that you get a lot of that, that kind of horror tinge here.
0: I don't think I've actually seen any of his other sort of horror movies. Obviously, this is barely horror. Yeah, but I know he's got his he got his starts working in that sort of genre. From this one, I think I've only seen The Big Four, which was his most recent Netflix acquisition, and Headshot from uh, two thousand sixteen, which also stars Eko Iko, Iko Ue, which is is one of the the title characters in this movie. But it, he's a very interesting director. I I love following him on Twitter and seeing his updates on his newest his newest sort of productions and he's a very prop- keen proponent for keeping these sort of movies very uh, embodied in physical filmmaking, very much practical. Yeah, um, Talking about like how squibs take often like an hour and a half to set up and it's like three seconds of screen time and it's the commitment right. <laughs> to that area of filmmaking because it just looks so much better. Yeah. There's, there's a weight, there's a heft to things. It just looks viscerally more... Just exhausting and desperate.
1: Yeah, he he's very committed to it, and it's. I I think what's kind of I've learned a lot from just following him on on Twitter is how like connected he is to the genre as a whole. He's such a huge fan of of action mm-hmm. cinema as a whole, and he'll he'll often post like recommendations and what he, he's been watching and stuff. But like, I think he does a great job of kind of showing his his influences, but it never feels. Um, kind of overtly blatant, um, but it's definitely painted in the background there. I think rewatching it, especially because it had been a little while since I'd watched this one and, mm. and after watching so many more um, films, <laughs> especially from uh, the Asian area of, of action cinema, like I can yeah. see a lot more yeah. of that that influence here. I don't know if I thought a lot about um, the untold story and that whole butcher sequence, yes. <laughs> like it felt so very <laughs> familiar the butcher there. sequence
0: in this. So yeah, they, the, the general... Like, format of the movie is, is how I like my action movies to be which is not completely strung together by action sequences but is peppered enough with the narrative, the plot, the story right. that you're actually invested in but it just moves from set piece to set piece with these just graphic changes of scenery different dynamics yeah. different environments and as you mentioned there um i think the the butcher sequence is just is a real sort of pitch for this movie in general like you watch a clip of yeah. that on YouTube and you, you get the idea of the movie from that <laughs> i think even just i mean
1: straight out of the gate like i remember the first time i watched it um mm. i think it was it was pretty immediate that first sequence with eco in the in the club yeah. where he just goes berserk in there and i was just immediately like oh this is gnarly and i'm very in for whatever this movie <laughs> has in store um and i like that fight because it, it does such a great job of establishing that character where mm-hmm. it's barely even a fight for him like it's just kind of it's like effort you kind of have to just beat on them and it's like effortless and he just kind of takes all of them out with ease and you're like oh this guy you don't fuck with this guy
0: yeah it's a, it's a great way to introduce uh, a character um, obviously, he is the major star of the upcoming motion picture *Expendables 4* that we're all raving about <laughs> currently. Um, oh dear! But this is where he thrives, and he has such a, a different fighting style um, to the other sort of like main protagonist here, played by Joe Taslim. Eco has this sort of like dynamic and scrappy, but really fast and fluid yeah. focus on like jabs and strikes, where Joe. Uh, Joe Taslin's character is more of like a grappler. He's a very sort of like brutish character. He feels a bit more desperate in the way that he's trying to sort of um, sort of get the power dynamic in a in a fight and sort of lever over over his opponent. Uh, it's interesting interesting to find out he was actually originally a member of the Indonesian judo team. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I started looking into into the sort of his his judo background and especially towards the end of the movie in that final fight you can see him utilizing a lot of like traditional judo moves into this really scary scrappy yeah um bloody visceral fight in the end he's doing things like the asotagari, which is sort of that hip throw where he's trying to grab he's grab him and try to like pummel him to the floor or he's doing this other thing called an achigari which is he's trying to sweep his legs okay. and he's trying to like kick him up and trip him from that and it's just I didn't really realise on the first watch just how technical and how this movie and these sort of movies run parallel to, like, traditional sports. Like, so much about it is athleticism. But, um... The actual movement and the style of movement is so rooted in traditional sports that it's it's scary right. to think <laughs> that it moves from that to trying to cut his hand off with a bus saw or, or, you know, using right. piano wire yo-yos in some, like, hilarious anime battle. It's it's such a, a good melting pot of different forms of uh Aggression and action. Yeah,
1: that's an interesting dot to connect because I definitely didn't know that, but it really does make a lot of sense. That makes me mm. immediately jump to that um, that initial like warehouse fight where he he kind of grabs that whole guy on his back and is like swinging him around because he's yeah. got
0: so many people trying to get at him. So it's a, definitely the right kind of style. It's it's like a grapply wrestling for his his character as well as as someone who's tried to move away from this world and it just feels like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders and he's he's very much using his figure and his his stance to try and to power over his his combatants there it's he's a very good fighter
1: like you said it is really a melting pot i i'd kind of tried to take some kind of note as to like because at a certain point i was like wow this this movie really does employ like every possible there's just yeah like every weapon or fighting style you can possibly imagine shows up here so i was like kind of taking (laughs) notes throughout and i was like there's fists blades he literally snaps a bone in half to stab two people which which is is just
0: crazy power
1: tools (laughs) <laughs> the the pool ball whip he makes the yeah. guns um, yeah it's, it's still throws a guy out a window it's
0: grounded in this reality that I said earlier and it's got this this hyper violence and this desperation to it but it has such a comic booky playful like anime yeah. gimmick to it as well like even the the character with the the razor wire yo yo it's just sort of like this would not exist in the real world it's so impractical but in 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 a, right. like a cinematic <laughs> l- lens it's so such a fun and like it just goes against the rules of what you think a fight should be in one of these sort of movies
1: yeah it's almost got like a, it's got like a kind of like a blade of the immortal like mm. fight to fight thing where it's like you're just going from place to place like what's the next like boss and it sets yeah. up the uh, the six C's, which are like the triad mm-hmm. the heads of the the triads kind of um defense force so it's it's kind of like moving through all of these people who are just like extremely
0: powerful yeah it's great you've got your gimmicky bosses and then you've got your your deep hallways that you've got to get through to try and get to the next level it's very video gamey in that sense but it just works it's very fluid in how it it tells this story through the action as well and the character moments in between, with like the, the general story about the girl and trying to escape the triad, um, works really well because I think Joe himself is actually a really good, like, a- actor—not just a physical performer, but he yeah, really sells sure. the character of Ito here.
1: Yeah, I think everyone does does a really great job of that. Like the a lot of the the combat feels genuinely like emotional. Mm. Like there is a lot of like history like that, along with that desperation. It becomes a lot of that like raw emotion of like these these guys who you can tell were at one point very close to each other Mm. and are now like kind of at the the end of the line and just having to fight
0: their way out to protect this one girl yeah there's that deep connection like sort of like deep brotherhood and it feels very tragic in a way that these these circumstances have happened and it has to end in these (laughs) just beautifully bloody ballets of of nastiness and I just find it so amusing that most of the fights and if not all of them end with after like a, like a 10 minute sequence of some of the most barbaric action you've ever seen in your life it'll end with just someone getting shot <laughs> just like a quick yeah. bullet to the head It's <laughs> just like a quick way like riddled with bullets rather than like being gouged out with your eyes or just yeah eventually it just kind of runs out of steam <laughs> yeah it's just it's this desperation that like they're too e- e- evenly matched so guns have to be involved in some way Uh
1: yeah, it's it's a. I mean, it's a great way of displaying that like exhaustion because mm. I, one of my favorite like side characters in this, uh, I believe, white boy Bobby, White was, Bobby, uh, just like just the best, that phenomenal so character, good. Um, like he is constantly like just an inch from death immediately Mm -hmm. like when he shows up he gets riddled with bullets but he had like a kind of a a sheet of metal guarding himself it's so good he gets he gets shot more he gets cut up and then he's finally like he's he's trying to pull out that last fight and it just ends with just a very simple like he gets his throat slit because he's just completely out of energy and (laughs) It does such a great job of selling that, like, decline of, of he's fighting
0: as hard as he can, but it he knows forever. Yeah, he knows he's on his way out, and uh, that ties into his very strange character of white boy Bobby. Um, yeah. He <laughs> comes down in the elevator with, like, with the group um, that have come up to seize the room, and he just... Oh, just lays waste to them using the the wet floor sign as that uh, yeah. sort of <laughs> bulletproof jacket thing. And then he absolutely destroys a man's head with it, just rips it out and, oh, it's so... Oh, yeah, it's, it's gnarly. There's...
1: There's a great, like, kind of grindhouse energy to a lot yeah. of it when he does get, like, that pulpy violence mm-hmm. and there is, like, the heads exploding and legs getting chopped off and stuff and you're like, man. <laughs>
0: it's viscerally brutal in, in that way that you can't help but enjoy. It's that sort of over-exaggeration of violence that yeah. we're all warned as children not to indulge in and now, look at us, we're starting a podcast <laughs> dedicated to all things <laughs> bloody and bone snapping.
1: It really it just makes it so unique because there's not Like to this day I haven't found like a lot of films that really scratch that same Mm. itch of just like really like the same level of like really dynamic martial arts action but is also like super like pulpy and Mm grindhousey. It's a it's a limited pool of films. I think maybe the only thing I could really like compare it to would be like Rikyo or something. Yeah, something
0: like that. It's 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 a tough it's a tough world to get right. I think you want to try and get the balance of tone completely right, because if you lean too hard into like the sort of trashy grindhouse aesthetic you end up in that sort of neo grindhouse world where everything's tongue-in-cheek and sort of played for laughs and played for jokes yeah. whereas this is so self-serious but there is moments of levity and brevity through like comedic hyper violence like moments where yeah. he's, 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 he's slapping people with wet floor signs and just little incidental moments that just feel quite funny in what is this hellish landscape of brutality i
1: think that i mean honestly it's such a critical thing about action just as a as a whole is like it there is there's always going to be i think a comedic flair to it and i think the the best action will always understand how to harness that kind of that slight bit of kind of hyper reality, where it's like, yes, but this can this can be funny through the the absurdity of of the action of it and and making the best out of that. Mm-hmm. But you can still do that while making a a tonally serious
0: movie. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to the way the movie looks. Um, there's a lot of dynamic camera choices, and it sort of brings an arsenal of yeah. uh, of tools at his disposal here. There's a lot of excellent one ers like long one shots just letting the choreographed movement play out in in wonderfully like lengthy sequences so you're not interrupted by edits or cuts or movements in that way hmm the camera is more of like a body in the room a lot of the time moving to help frame the action but never looking away from the action feels like someone trapped in a room like a participant that's just sort of watching the match go down but then you'll have other things like the occasional top-down shot like the camera will crane up and you'll yeah you'll those are really down, cool like it's yeah. your john wick fours or your hotline miamis and you're watching it play out like that. <laughs> for sure but then there's other very interesting things like he'll be running around the room with the camera on this like really agile gimbal and it's it's very the raid 2 it's very much sort of darting in and getting different shots from different angles it's this presence in the room um it's it's such a versatile movie and then again to find little comedic moments there is a uh, that camera movement where it feels like the camera's just been like strapped to the end of a stick and is being like moved around like that like the sort of um, yeah it's, it's like, Shin um, Ultra- or like Shin Ultra Ultraman, where it's just sort of like it's oh, on the yeah, end yeah. of an object <laughs> and it just it feels so gimmicky but it looks so fun it breaks up this this visual onslaught as well to to have a, a different range of cinematic techniques, and so you're not using the same form over and over again, just to bring a bit of versatility to this action like masterpiece.
1: Yeah, I think especially because it's really easy to kind of go to it feeling like the raid, because those are like kind of the the premier Indonesian action films that really exploded out of that space. And also, you've got the two stars of the raid, <laughs> Iko Uis and and Joe Taslim. So it's easy to to have those comparisons. And there's certainly a lot here that feels that way, but it also he does a great job of setting it yeah. apart with stuff like that really dynamic camera work and and those cool, unique shots. and mm-hmm. it's also it just feels very scrappy because it's definitely a lower budget, but he does an amazing job of like utilizing these kind of smaller, like, kind of claustrophobic set pieces where it doesn't have to feel like an expansive open world, but he goes to
0: so many different places that you get that sense anyway. I think a lot of it is down to... uh, A lot of these scenes are just really well-lit. Like, in reality, they would not be fighting this much in these really bright spaces, but... You have these lovely like overhead lights to to shine lights down on the action, so you have a, a perfect viewpoint of these like bright and sterile working environments. While in the apartment, <laughs> they're just kicking each other, and there's that level of desperation. But it's all clear, it's all viewable, it's all like too bright. You don't want to be able to see it in such clarity. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> like, like the sterile nature of the kitchen in the in the butcher sequence, there's right. like. Yeah. Some of the darkest things imaginable are happening on the screen, but it's in pure like glistening light and you can see every every little minute detail of stab wounds and all sort of nastiness.
1: I mean, it's always refreshing and it's very common in this this region of action, but it is st- still remains always refreshing to see stuff where it's like they're never trying to to hide that action and it is those those long shots where you're just getting pure choreography uninterrupted by by editing or anything and stuff like that where it's you've got this bright overhead lighting where it's not trying to kind of shroud poor choreography and darkness or anything like that you it's always front and center
0: and you always get to just take it all in and enjoy it mm-hmm um and a lot of it is reinforced with the sound design. So much of the the sort of audio landscape here, especially while some of the, the larger fights are taking place, there is not like a very present score. There is this sort of incidental, minimal, strip back, either like a simple synth line or a drum beat to sort of accompany a fight. But a lot of the time that is completely stripped away and you're just left with... the 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 sound in the room and then like reinforced with like really bone crunchy foley work and sort of like slippy and slashy sound crunchy (laughs) yeah it's great a great watch with headphones it's really viscerally disorienting just sort of the the intensity of the sounds that sort of reflect the the images on screen there yeah that is that is a great point because the
1: soundtrack is Mm. fantastic it's a really cool like heavy like like you said, like that synth soundtrack where it's just kind of like beating and reverberating mm-hmm. when it is doing that but then like you said, it also has those those moments where it just lets the action breathe and it's just crunch and <laughs> and all that and it's it does a great job because it is it does know when to, hold back and and just kind of let you focus only on the action it's not trying to distract you with anything else
0: yeah it's not overcooking it it's just you know why you're here they know what works in in this different sort of sequence so they're just letting the performers perform and just sort of not detracting the attention away from that in any way um Just so yeah,
1: good. it moves. It mo- the whole thing just moves so mm-hmm. propulsively. So like there is, well. you know, yeah. exposition, and yeah, there is exposition and and narrative in between the action, but it never feels drawn out too far mm-hmm. or or anything like that. Like you're still always moving to the next thing, and yeah, it it's just it moves like nothing
0: else. It is it is a very fast two hours. <laughs> It's a very fast, very intense, but there is just so much versatility in here that it never gets boring. You never feel like you've already seen this sequence like 20 minutes earlier. Everything is... No, it's, it's, they're so unique, yeah. It's a sort of like slow escalation from the first fight to the last fight. There's so much that happens. There's so many ways you can see people get yeah. harmed and hurt. Uh, at one point, Eco uses his jacket as like this weapon. He sort of flips it over and ties it round someone to mask them and beats them up with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's exhausting, and but it's exhilarating in all the best ways possible. Like, it's such a difficult movie, as you said earlier, to take notes about because it is you would have to be pausing every like two seconds to note things right. down <laughs> about incidental movements and just the the variant ways that they can just move their bodies into each other.
1: Yeah, and it, I I like that you mentioned that the way that Eco uses his jacket mm. at one point because I believe that's um, when he's fighting one of the. Um, the female six seeds yes, members yeah, is, yeah. Is during that fight. I do want to know. I mean, Timo does such a great job of highlighting his his female stars mm-hmm. as well like they they hold up extremely well next to uh, all these these gritty dudes fighting it out. And like you said, they've got that that one character has that sweet, like, whip weapon, which yo is, yo. Like, makes no sense, but it just <laughs> looks awesome. Yeah,
0: it's such a, like, Kill Bill, sort of stylized, uh, like, Master of the Flying Guillotine. The most impractical weapons ever, but just as, right. <laughs> as cinematic objects. They're just so awesome.
1: Yeah, and I like that he kind of inserts, like, a third... Um, like female protagonist character Mm -hmm. who so that you get these fights that are just the the women fighting and not like the women just fighting the men like it's very it's balanced in that way it's like you can see there's like a like a classic like girls with guns era influence there but again like it's you see that stuff where it's like clearly he appreciates this kind of action but it doesn't feel derivative or familiar he's he's doing his own thing all the time an interesting
0: interesting thing about the pre-production i looked into is that they were working on the film you know trying to get this thing made and sort of run out of funding initially so then went to make it as a graphic novel first which makes so much sense to oh, me because the way that this movie visually is presented feels so panelly in that sense of like yeah. a really good action manga or an action comic book just moving from like angle to angle using that very flexible and versatile gimbal. Um, I just I just thought that was fascinating. I don't know if the, like the actual graphic novel was made in the end, but I would be very interested in reading it. I would, yeah, I would love to read that if that exists at some in somewhere. <laughs> no, I think they stopped it, but to to actually make the movie. but maybe one day we'll see, oh, okay, some sort of comic book version of this. But I know that currently or he has written a screenplay for like a a sequel or a movie that exists in this world, I believe. I don't know if that's the one he's currently working on. I think they're in production on that. Okay, currently,
1: um i I could be wrong, but yes, I believe they're they're working on. I think a spin-off with that female lead character. Okay. Um, but I, I could be incorrect on yes, that, but I, um, I think
0: that's who it's centered on. Shijan Toe has publicly confirmed that he was developed a story for the sequel likely to focus on a uh, Julia Stell's character, the operator yeah. from from this movie. Um, but I think after after the big four, I don't think he's been greenlit on that yet, but hopefully Netflix just dumped loads of money at him, because I think The Night Comes for uh, Us was so. also a Netflix acquisition. Yeah, it is a Netflix production, is, yeah. You know, this is how these movies are getting out here, into the West, into more sort of mainstream audiences, yeah. mainstream markets, and people love them. Like, action fans especially, like, obviously, just... Uh, I follow so many, like, action-based Twitter accounts that post GIFs and stills from this movie all the time just because it is so uh, visceral and immediate.
1: Yeah, I I know it's it's kind of not that I would say like divisive, mm. but I definitely know some people who watch like The Raid or something and then they they move on to this and it's like, oh, this is <laughs> like almost too violent yeah, for is that some serious. people. But I think for like the, the action um, dedicated people, it definitely delivers as like a treat of just like, all kinds of of the stuff that we're looking for, mm-hmm.
0: as you said, it's that it's it's the director's horror background first and foremost, leaning into the action filmmaking. He's taken what he's learned from these years and years of making horror yeah. movies, and he still makes a uh, little like does he he works on those VHS? No, not the VHS movies. Is it the ABC of death. Yeah, no, it is,
1: I think it is VHS. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Um, okay. Maybe both, I've, I've but I think he definitely has a couple VHS shorts which I haven't seen. No, that's um, that's but a, yeah, he
0: used to... a whole horror world I've not got involved in yet. I think I've seen the first VHS, movie yeah. and I was like, I don't know about this, but I'm in very, in very, right. very <laughs> intrigued. Just if not, if anything, just to see the the T- Timo Chianto uh, segments.
1: Yeah, I think mostly what I hear about those films is they're not very good, but the the Timo shorts always stand out. Oh, so just, maybe I'll just try and find I know, pick his like, out of the I, the lineup. I have
0: <laughs> to sit through like an hour and forty minutes to see twenty yeah. minutes of something cool. It's like, oh, fine if I have to.
1: Yeah, I'm not really a uh, an anthology guy. No, it's, it's not, not really not, my bag. It's like
0: that sort of anthology where it's like they could be so hit or miss that you just feel like you kind of waste yeah. time, but. Never say never, I'll almost certainly get through the VHS movies at some point, and the ABCs of death, <laughs> and well, however many of those movies there are.
1: Yeah, his horror background is interesting. He used to, and I this might have been on, I think it's on uh, Headshot as mm. well, but he worked with, um, I believe he's a Japanese director, Kimo Stamboel, and um, they made a few movies together, and, okay. and they were starting, I think... And I believe Kimo... Um, oh, he
0: did the, the Queen of Black Magic remake from a couple yeah, of years the, ago. Yeah, the Black Magic yeah. remake.
1: Um, so he's definitely more horror-focused, mm-hmm. and I think their work together definitely influenced him. I, I watched their film Killers recently, yeah, yeah, which yeah, I don't yeah. think is very good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of... Uh, I saw the devil kind of descent into like just being like kind of deranged violence, yeah. and I don't think it's uh, as... Enjoyable as uh, I saw the devil. The, I saw yeah. the devil, which is uh, an odd word to use. <laughs> <for that laughs> it's a very odd one. Um... <laughs>
0: but then again, we, we, we're the type of people that find uh, the night comes for us like yeah. gleefully enjoyable, just because it is is so in right. tune. It, it knows exactly what it's trying to do and does it with such glee. I love it.
1: Yeah, I like it more every
0: time I watch it. <laughs> really, it is, it is just the best. That's the thing. I, w- I was talking to someone, I was like, oh, I'm starting a new podcast and I just showed them like one of the first scenes from this movie on YouTube and they were just like, oh, okay, I, <laughs> I get what this podcast is going to be then. <laughs> right. So that's why I wanted to bring it to the table as the sort of like uh, our mission statement, our, our first brief to showcase yeah. a, a side of world cinema and action cinema that is just feels like nothing else i think i said in one of my first reviews of this film it just to a large extent indonesian action just feels different to what we get out in the west and what is just like in the mainstream consciousness um just letting these performers go have these long takes of just like effortless desperate scrappy mesmerizing choreography and blissfully like scary action i think it's such a cool movie yeah it is it is
1: an extremely cool movie and yeah one that i i just have so much fun with every time it's like one that i feel like i could just watch over and over like every week
0: and and still just have so much fun with it and it mm-hmm. it's st- you'll get something new get something new out of it every time catch a little movement
1: yeah it feels almost like a new experience every time because i can kind of focus on another part of the the choreography or the action of it but yeah, it is It is a very good kind of mission statement for this podcast. It's a, that's a good way to put it. It was kind of, I believe, your kind of inspiration for asking me if I wanted to, yeah. to do this. And that's why that's when we thing. were talking about it, I was like, well, we should definitely make that the first episode then.
0: Because well, I, I was I was itching for a rewatch anyway. And obviously, um, spoiling things, podcast has come to for mm-hmm. a hiatus for a bit. And I was like, well, is that... There- Zeb likes podcasting. I do. I like talking to Zeb. I like, <laughs> I like watching like different types of action movies. We can sit down once in a while and talk through these things. And I thought it'd be nice to start off with one that you introduced me to originally. And, oh, it's just so, so damn
1: good. I've guessed it on a couple stacks things. You guessed it on spoiling things a couple mm. of times. We've definitely... Been on the same shows together talking about movies and it's always a blast, but it was like we should actually do something together on a regular basis yeah. and, and kind of share our, our, our passion together.
0: Yeah, it's been a nice one to kick us off. So, Zeb, what are we going to be covering on the next episode of Throwdown? Yeah,
1: it was it was a tough choice. I mean, there's obviously just like an endless list <laughs> there's of so things many things to... we're gonna we're, we're
0: gonna try and cover. Like, yeah, I already <laughs> have like a backlog list of like ideas for the podcast oh, awesome. there's so many movies I want to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the idea is we'll kind of alternate picks week to week or however mm-hmm. often we end up releasing this, but we'll kind of go back yeah. and forth with, with what we're going to choose. So I went through and... I, I specifically noted when I was scrolling through, because this is one of my favorite discoveries in the last mm. couple of years of watching stuff, and I was like, Jack only has this at three stars. I think he should give yeah. this another shot. I, I so, have not,
0: I've not seen this in a couple of years, so I'm very excited to see this again.
1: Yeah, so I, I went for what we're going to cover next time is Keita Amamiya's Mechanical Violator Hakaider from, ni- I think, 1995.
0: <laughs> um, just oof, 1995, yes um for those listening that feel like watching along at home this is currently free on tubi and i think possibly youtube but always these type of sort of like tokusatsu movies are always floating around online for free anyway you will be able to find it but yeah i'm very much looking forward to um returning to sort of japan and japan's like over-exaggerated action sequences yeah there's some there's some definitely some great stuff in that kind of
1: V cinema realm so i think it'll be a Mm -hmm. a fun a fun road to go down so we're gonna start with that one and it's also so yeah it's on to be probably youtube i did find it on archive.org as well and archive has um both the theatrical and director's cut which I didn't know there was two different Ooh, cuts but I, I was like I'm going to watch either. both of these so I'm going to check out both of them gonna say, the next show I was going to
0: say yeah absolutely there's <laughs> obviously a chance that I'll probably dip into the director's other works just to just to spend more time in his world because I uh, yeah, know he's, he did movies he's like Cyber Ninja favorites. and uh, Kamen Rider J and, uh, Rider J and uh, what's that one? Z- Zellrum? Zell- uh, Zay-rum? Zay-rum? Yeah Zellrum's <laughs> Zay-rum, awesome yeah, I, I need I really to see the that. sequel on that one oh. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining us on this first episode of Throwdown, and we'll join you next time for Mechanical Violator Hakeda. Vaughan, thank you as always, and we'll see you next time. See yeah, you later.